the U.S. Women's Soccer Show from Goal. From nearly quitting the game entirely to going undrafted in 2017 to now becoming one of the cornerstones of the Portland Thorns, Kelly Hubley has been on quite the journey in pro soccer. On today's episode of All of Us, the U.S. Women's Soccer Show, we will talk to the Thorns defender about her journey through the game and how she's managed to become such a key part of one of the league's top teams after a really difficult beginning to her pro career. My name is Seth Fertelny. Welcome into the show and joining me, as always, is Goals Women's Soccer Correspondent Amy Ruskai. Amy, how's it going? Good, thanks. How are you? I'm doing well. Looking forward to speaking to Kelly today. I know that you had this idea to speak with her after you interviewed another undrafted Thorns player last year, Simone Charlie. Uh, Simone, of course, has moved on to Angel City, but what, what Simone said about Kelly kind of piqued your interest. Yeah, so when I sat down with Simone um, and kind of talked to her about her undrafted journey, she spoke about how massive Kelly was for her and just kind of been a rock for her when she was trying to get through some of the this kind of mental battle she was going through thinking she could belong on this team and just there for advice and support and straight away I was like oh I need to speak to Kelly because it sounds like that she's got a great story too so yeah very glad that we were able to get her on the show. Yeah kind of continuing a theme from this show you know we spoke with Bethany Balser a few months ago and she went from undrafted out of the NAIA to now getting calls up to the national team becoming one of the best players for OL Reign and it just goes to show you that the path to, to stardom in American soccer isn't always the one that we think of with a player going to a, a big school and, and getting drafted early and, and becoming a key player in the league right away. You know, some, sometimes players just kind of have to work their way up, and Kelly's kind of the perfect example of that. Yeah, and I mean, she's worked her way up into one of the best teams that we've seen over the last five years while she's been in the league. I mean, she's won every single trophy that she could possibly win. And she, um, yeah, it's a real testament to kind of her perseverance, the way that she's established herself in yeah, one of the best teams around. Yeah, definitely. And as I mentioned, she she nearly quit the game. She spoke out about a really difficult collegiate experience that she had at the University of Kentucky, where she ran a fitness test and didn't pass it. Coach called her into his office and told her that she was suspended from the team because she wasn't fit enough and called her lazy. Um, eventually, it turned out that the reason that she was struggling with her fitness was that she had an autoimmune disorder called Graves' disease. Um, she eventually left Kentucky. She had to take a year off to try to fight this disease, and she thought she might be done with soccer, um, but eventually she transferred back to DePaul, uh, in Chicago, her hometown, played one final year of college soccer and made her way into the NWSL after being undrafted. And so, you know, it just it, it's a, a real story of, of perseverance and, and something that I think a, a lot of players can can look to for for inspiration, especially after this past year when we've talked so much about uh, players being in difficult situations with coaches. Yeah, and I think you, know, you mentioned this before, but it's it's great to have you know players like Hubley, like Charlie, like Balser. There's there's so many kind of undrafted success stories in the league, and um, it's great for you know players to to see these role models that you know it's not like oh I need to be the best player in college, I need to go to a top college, I need to be a number one pick. 
that you can make it into this league and, and become a, a key player in a, a team in this league by, by going a different path too. Yeah, let's bring Kelly into the show now and speak with her about her path into becoming an NWSL mainstay with the Portland Thorns. Kelly, welcome to the show and thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. I don't know if it feels this way to you, but to me, it always seems like the off seasons get shorter and shorter. Like it seems like the NWSL championship was like two weeks ago. And now here we are back in preseason. Um, how does it feel for you to be, to be back with the team after the, the off season? Yeah, it feels great. Honestly, it felt like a blink of an eye. Um, I actually got back in like the first week of January. So I've been here since January training, um, a lot of people come back early. So we all were talking one day warming up like, wow, we're already back here and we're going to be doing this for like the next nine months. Like this is crazy. But um, I need structure. So I like coming back early. I like being here. I like walking into training every day. So I'm excited I'm for the season, actually. Did you get up to anything nice over the break? How did you kind of recharge and, and refresh? Um, yeah, I went home. I'm from Chicago. So I went home, got to spend time with my family and my friends that I really haven't seen in a while. Um, and then I went to Florida for a couple weeks. My brother lives down there. So I spent Christmas there. So nice recharge in the sun before coming back to Portland. Yeah, I would imagine Christmas in Florida, at least weather wise, maybe preferable to Christmas in Chicago. Oh, yeah. I mean, Chicago when I was there wasn't as cold as other years. But um, I can't complain 80 degrees on the beach. So yeah, absolutely. So, you know, speaking of getting back into to preseason, you know, we weren't really sure that it was going to begin on time uh, leading up to February 1st, which was the deadline for the NWSL Players Association to agree to a, a new CBA. And, you know, the night before preseason was scheduled to start, that agreement came in, which I'm sure was a, a huge relief to to all of the Thorns players and everybody involved in the NWSL. Um, you know, as a player in the league, you know, what was the experience like kind of not knowing whether you're going to you were going to report to preseason on time and, and what is in the, the CBA that you're uh, especially happy about? Yeah, it was definitely really interesting this year, um, especially because we had our preseason trip planned, like literally the February 1st at 8.30, we were leaving for Bend. So we were like, this could get weird if we don't show up the first day. So we had like an extra stress of like, okay, well, if they've planned this trip, how do we go about this? So I know a lot of us were kind of like stressed about it, um, but we definitely did want to get everything we wanted done on time. So we were happy, like we were end able to like come to an agreement um especially because a lot of us like when you go on strike like you can't train at the facility you can't do anything and we were all like what are we gonna do we like plan to like get balls and stuff and like meet it somewhere if we like actually did go on strike so it was really like we were all relieved when we didn't um but i think just like the cba is amazing um seeing the growth from me when i started like there's so many more people on the roster, um, like minimum going up to 35 is insane. Like, that's so great for everybody. Like I, when I first started, it was like 18, I think. So that's a big jump. Um, so just like all the like bare minimum things raising as much as they could, I think is great. Um, so I think it's a great start for our league and I'm excited to see where it can go. 
Yeah, and how important was it to you to see kind of players get more control over the movement in the league, for example, and other things of that nature after, you know, the stories that kind of came out across the league in, in 2021? Yeah, I think it's super important. Um, I think this past year we've seen some trades that a lot of girls feel like they were kind of screwed over. And I'm lucky that I've been able to stay here, but I can't imagine going to a place where you really have no say and you don't want to be there at all. Like that would be like pretty traumatic. I mean, I think I always joke to like my family, like if I got traded a team, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go. Like I would retire. So, I mean, it's a joke, but like, I also have never been in that situation. Um, so I think it's really important that people have more of a say of where they play because at the end of the day, we also don't make a ton of money to be just like uprooting our lives and moving to a city where you don't even know where you're going to live. Um, and we don't have the financial stability to just move somewhere and find a place to live just like that. So I think it's really important. Yeah. And speaking about all of the stories that that came out last year, uh, you were one of the players who decided to kind of speak out and, and share your story, uh, talking about what happened to you in college at the University of Kentucky. Um, it sounded like a really difficult situation where you didn't pass fitness drills and your coach was, uh, you know, far from understanding uh, about your situation. It turned out that you had uh, an autoimmune disorder called Graves' disease, which was a, a big reason why you were unable to pass those fitness drills. Um, what led to you kind of deciding that the, the time was right to kind of speak out and, and tell this story, which I would assume that not a lot of people knew before you uh, you spoke about it? Yeah, um, I never really spoke about it. Like after it happened, my mom was just like, go to therapy and like talk about it there. And we never really talked about it as like a family. Um, or my friends, like a lot of people still don't know that about me. And when I posted that, they're like, wait, what? I had no idea. Um, so like I've healed 100% from the situation. So I think it was um, a good time to, you know, share my story. And everyone coming out this past year, I think, is giving people um, kind of like support that they can come out as well. And I just want people to know who, because a lot of people have gone through this similar situation or just like abuse from a coach in general. And it's very like, I felt very alone. I felt very embarrassed. And at the end of the day, I look back and I'm like, okay, no, I should have never felt embarrassed. Like I did nothing wrong. Um, I felt alone. And I want people to know that there are other people who have gone through this. You're not alone. It's not embarrassing. Um, and I wanted to just like help other girls who've gone through it, um, like see someone come out the end, like the other end, like on top. And like there is a light at the end of the tunnel. You can still achieve any dream you want to after going through that. So I just wanted people to know. And I've gotten so many messages and it's like heartbreaking, but like kind of nice at the same time that I'm like helping other girls. And like, they feel confident enough to like reach out to me and be like, thank you so much for like, this helped me so much. Like I'm actually transferring right now. And like your story is giving me hope. And so like, that's really what I wanted. I wanted to help other people. Do you feel like in the league in general now, after kind of the past year that players do feel more willing to kind of share those stories and, and talk about that kind of things? Cause they do see the good it can do. Yeah, I think so. Um, and I hope it does because really no one should have to go through all of this. So 
Yeah, like I know on our team, like we had like a lot of talks last year um, when all this happened to just, you know, kind of see where each other were at. Like some days we wouldn't even train. We would just talk for hours. And I think it gave everyone the safe space to like come forward if they needed to say anything, if they felt like they needed support in a way. So I know from our team, I think it's helping and everyone's, you know, trying to help each other. And so I would assume it would kind of be that way throughout the league as well. So you're about to head into your sixth year in the league. Um, so far in your time in the NWSL, you have not done too bad in the trophy front. Um, you've got an NWSL championship, fall series, challenge cup, NWSL shield, um, even the women's international champions cup, but your path into the league was an interesting one because you started as a, a national team replacement player you went undrafted in 2017. You know, when you, when you look back on, on your first five years, like, is it kind of crazy to, to try to put into perspective everything that's, that's happened since you entered the league? Yeah. I honestly never thought I'd reach this point. Um, my first year I like just went here and just was like, okay, I'm going to try it. If I hate it, I'll leave. Um, but it also came after like my whole autoimmune disorder thing. So I never, I had to stop playing soccer for like a whole year. So I really only had a hat, like under a year on me playing soccer and working out again, because I couldn't even work out when I was sick. So I finally like reached a point in my career where I was like, wait, I love soccer again. And I'm starting to feel like more like myself. So I think I needed that first year here, like not being rostered to like grow into like the player I wanted to be and like learn from people because I still need to get my touch back. I still needed to like get my mind working again because it was hard not doing anything for a year. So I think at that moment, I don't think I ever saw myself being where I am today, but I also knew I had a lot of potential that I'd never even tapped into. So I feel like really fortunate to have landed in a place where they have helped me grow. They've, you know, given me the freedom to kind of just find who I am as a player and like embrace that. Um, and each year, like, I feel like the ceiling just keeps getting taller. Like there is no ceiling for me. Like, I feel like I just keep growing more and more and that's all I could ever want. That's all I've wanted from the beginning. So it's pretty cool. And you know, you did declare for the, the draft in, in 2017, but I guess because you've been going through, you know, this stuff with not you know, being sick and things like that, were, were your hopes quite low for that? And you were just like, oh, I'm going to enter this and, and just see what happens? Yeah, I was like, there's no way I'm getting drafted. Like, I haven't played. Like, I've just started playing again. Like, nobody really knew who I was for, like, the past – like, I took a whole year off. Like, and then I came back, and I'm also at DePaul, which is, like, not a big school. So – um, I didn't really have any hopes. Um, and then Mark said, do you want to come for preseason? And I was like, sure. I mean, I might as well try. I left school early, took my finals early, finished school out here. So um, I told my mom, like, if I hate it, like, I can always come home. And I told myself I'd give it a year. So I was, like, pretty miserable <laughs> for a while. But <laughs> it all played out because I think that was, like, the biggest year of growth for me. Um and yeah, like, I think it's ultimately led me to where I am today. What do you think were the keys for you to kind of get through that, that first year where it was, it was really difficult? Yeah, I think just like, I'm in, I was in like with the best team, like we won that year. So 
I had so many people I could watch and learn from. And I think that was like a huge thing for me because there would be times when my dad in the past couple of years was like, Kelly, like maybe you should just try to go to a different team. You'll probably play there. And I was like, no, I was like, I am at the best team with the best players. Like I am learning the most I'll ever learn anywhere else. Like I could go start another team, but I probably won't grow anymore. So Portland is such a unique place because I was watching like Amadine play. I was with Sinky. Like we had all these people that I could learn from and I have learned the most I've ever learned. So I think just being able to grow here as much as I could. All of us, the U.S. Women's Soccer Show from Goal. Get the latest news and views on the U.S. Women's National Team and the NWSL on Goal. The U.S. Women's Soccer Show from Goal. Find more U.S. Women's Soccer news and opinion on Goal. I did an interview last year with Simone Charlie when she was in Portland. And she also came in. She was an undrafted player and she was kind of doing exactly what you had done, fighting for that spot. And she said to me that seeing your perseverance up close was inspiring to her and that she really leaned on you when she was kind of struggling with like imposter syndrome and things like this. Um, I mean, how nice was it for you to be able to be that supportive figure for someone who was going through everything that you had literally been through, like just before she had got there? Yeah, I mean, it's a hard situation. So like, I want to help people. And you know, at that point, you're like, oh, like I just, I'll be happy if I get a contract. And then you get the contract and you're like, but like now I, I want to play more. And then you start playing more. And then it's like, you get these new issues. Like, well, I need to start every game. Well, I need to perform every game. So like each little milestone you reach, you think, oh, like that'll make me happy. But you get a whole new different like issues that you need to go through. And I think that was one of our like longer conversations. I was like, you're going to get the contract. And then you're going to be like, ah, like I finally did it. And like all your problems are going to go away. But then you're like, no, I want to play. So you have to like be okay with each step that you take. Like you're going to get a whole new set of issues that you need to then, you know, try to work your way through. So I think being able to talk to her about that, like that was really eye-opening for her because, you know, you always just think, oh, if I'm just on the team or if I'm just getting paid, I'll be happy. But no, like then you're going to strive for the next thing. So just knowing where you're at and knowing where you want to go and how to kind of deal with that, I think was important for me to kind of talk to her about too, because she was struggling at times and I was struggling too. And I wish somebody was like, you know, it's okay. You can do this. Then you're going to, so I don't know. I think it's important for people who are like on the same path. Cause there's so many different paths to pro soccer and you don't have to be drafted in order to be a pro soccer player. And I think a lot of people need to understand that. Simone recited that exact thing that you just said to me word for word that you told that you told her. So <laughs> she's it's stuck with her, don't worry. Good. <laughs> yeah, and we we talked to um Bethany Balser on this show recently and you know her story is is a really unique one too. You know, she went to a, a very small school division or an NAIA school even, um, and she made her way into the league and now she's getting call ups to the national team. Um, you know, for, for players who aren't drafted, for players who don't come from big schools, 
Uh, you know, how important is it that they can see players like like you and Simone and Bethany and and see somebody get to a, a high level in the NWSL without maybe taking the traditional path, you know, playing at a, a big school, being a high draft pick and and show that there's different ways towards uh, getting a foothold in this league. You always see the big names and you're like, oh, well, they went to Stanford. They went to UCLA. So like, yeah, of course, like they're probably going to get a maybe a better chance than you. But that doesn't mean you won't get a chance. And I don't know. I think it was just you have to earn it too. like getting on a team, especially when I did. There were 20 roster spots like it was hard. And getting in the NWSL team is hard. But when you're given an opportunity, like you have to like take hold of that opportunity and, you know, like work hard and just like show that you're willing to learn. You're willing to do everything you can to like be on the team. And I think when I wasn't drafted, you know, it's like you're kind of embarrassed. But again, like there was only 40 picks then. Like that's not a lot of picks. And back then you had to like get if you weren't um, given a contract within 15 days, you could get waived. And that happened to a girl. Like she came to Portland, was so excited, left because Kansas City picked her up. So I think also like it kind of gives you more freedom if you aren't drafted to kind of like, okay, like where can I go and try to make the team there? So I don't know. I think everyone should not be ashamed or like let down if they don't get drafted and just, you know, try to keep finding a way. Yeah. And, you know, you, you were kind of that figure, I guess, for, for Simone when, when she came to Portland. Who who were the people that you kind of leaned on when you were kind of making your way and, and trying to establish yourself while you were in Portland? Um, You know who a big person is? Britt Eckerstrom. She is, like, amazing. <laughs> um, She's just, like, always happy, always positive. And I think she was, like, a huge person for me. Meg Morris was um, a huge person for me. Um, She was injured at the time. And I think... She was going through her own struggles. So I think we kind of helped each other with, you know, being there for each other and just like helping each other through their struggles. Um, And then like other people in my similar situation, I came in with a couple other girls who were undrafted and like we understood each other and what we were going through. So um, that was kind of like the main people for me. Yeah, and I'm sure... In recent years, uh, a player that you've got a chance to to learn from is Becky Sauerbrunn. Uh, you know, she's she's such a, a huge figure in the the last decade of the the NWSL and the U.S. national team. And, and now, you know, you've had the chance in the last couple seasons to to play alongside her. Um, you know, what's it like to be in the back line with her, and and what have you been able to kind of pick up from her in the last couple seasons? Yeah, I was so excited when she was getting traded. Well, one of my like closest friends was getting it traded away, so I was kind of sad. But I was excited to learn from Becky because she is like the best. Um, and I was like really nervous at the beginning because I was like, whoa, like she's like the best defender in the world. But she's so down to earth and she's so like helpful. Like whenever we do drills together, she's always trying to like help me out. She's always trying to tell me, okay, do this, try this. And she's so positive. Like if I'm trying something and she's seeing me trying it, she'll like praise me for trying it and I think coming from an older player to a younger player who's inexperienced I think that's really important that you're helping the people under you um and just playing next to her is like so it's so cool like I never ever thought I would ever be playing next to her at times so I think it's just an it's like a cool accomplishment and just knowing that she's trying to help me and she also like looks for me for help too. She'll be like, Kelly, what do you see? And I think 
that's awesome too because we're trying to like work together and you know she values my opinion as well and we cannot let you go without asking you about how you've settled in off the pitch in Portland because <laughs> you know you have fallen in love with the wine that you found in Oregon haven't you yes I'm a huge wine person my parents are huge wine people but they like always went to Napa Valley so we'd always have like cabs or like Merlots and like Zinfandels but Portland doesn't do that. They do Pinots. So my parents were like, ah, oh, I don't know if they like Pinots, but they didn't have Oregon Pinots. So <laughs> once they came here, I took them to some wineries and they fell in love and now they're members. I've like forced them on it. So I can go use their membership, but they were like, don't let her take our wine, <laughs> but I can go use their membership and get like free wine tastings. But yeah, I love pinots now and i love going to different wineries out here it's super fun it's like a fun thing to do with friends too like when we have an off day we'll try to go out and go to a couple so i think it's pretty cool and it's so close like what other place gets to just drive 30 minutes away and have like a ton of wineries at their hands and it's good wine too it's not like bad wine so it's pretty fun you're like you're like a serious wine person though like you recently had an article written about you uh by the wine and food writer in the the oregonian so this is this is a, a serious relationship with that you have with wine beyond just like i like to have a glass of wine with dinner you know how 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 did you get so into wine culture yeah like growing up my parents always had wine at dinner um so like, I always wanted to be like them. I was like, ooh, let me try your wine. And I, of course, thought it tasted disgusting. So then I, like, forced myself onto white wine because I, like, wanted to be like them. And then I, like, you know, you grow up and you're – you don't want the sweet wines anymore. So then I started drinking red wine. And so it's really, like, a family thing. Like, our whole family, like, we always – you know, if we do something, it's wine at dinner. We have big dinners. We just like doing that. They do wine parties with their friends. And I went one time and, oh, my gosh. Like, I didn't think I could have that much fun with, like, over 50-year-olds. But <laughs> so, like, they are definitely the reason why I love wine so much. And I think being in Portland, like, has kind of just, like, skyrocketed my love of wine because I'm it's so accessible. And I love to go to, like, different wine bars. Like, there's my favorite wine bar in Portland right now is Bar Diane. And it's just, it's fun thing to do with friends. And it's it tastes so good. And you can have one glass and it, you're fine. and you have charcuterie boards like who doesn't love a charcuterie board just endless i might have to get on skyscanner and find a, a flight to portland um <laughs> all the places but, but the thing is as well i mean last year we had sam and christy mewis set up their own beer brand right so i mean are you thinking about setting up your own wine brand i you know it's i'm trying i'm actually doing in the summer i'm going to be doing like a charity event with a winery um for ms so if you're ever around in the summer, you can come, but definitely trying to like work within the wine industry in some way. So I think this summer will be like my first thing with a wine company, um, just like charity, like flights and stuff and all the money we raise will go, a silent auction, all the money will be raised will go to MS. So I definitely would love to like work within wine wineries and vineyards. So hopefully soon I can get my foot in the door. <laughs> Kelly Hubley. Portland Thorns defender slash wine connoisseur. Thanks so much for joining us and good luck this season. Thanks so much. 
that was Kelly Hubley. Uh, I have to say, Amy, when I showed you this article that she did in the Oregonian recently about her love for wine, I probably have never seen you that excited before when talking about having a guest on this show. Uh, really just kind of got you in all of your areas of interest. So it must have been great getting a chance to to speak with her about her love for the vino. I know when we started this show, I definitely did not think that I would um, ask somebody some questions about wine. So, um, yeah, I think I, I'm liking this little, you know, maybe we'll start to get a little trend of people starting brands of, of um, beer and, and wine and stuff. But they need to they need to be able to sell it to me out here in England. So there needs to be something going on that, that you know, maybe not twenty pound postage or whatever I have to pay buying things from the US sometimes, but some way for me to get footballers alcohol that they sell would be absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Aside from her love of wine, uh, what else about our, our conversation kind of sticks out to you as? Uh, being important I think like just to kind of hear her actual journey like because you know the the kind of stuff that she went through with college wasn't very well known apart from you know she she tweeted about it at the back end of last year and you know that was kind of the extent to which you can find out the kind of information about what happened so to kind of hear her go through that struggle um, I didn't know that she took a year out before she then you know, went and joined the Thorns. Um, you know, it's it's pretty incredible that um, you know, she managed to bounce back from something, not just the kind of sickness, but like you know, the experience she had in college and having a year out, and you know, look where she is now. I mean, she's so well decorated. Yeah, and it was it was great to talk to her too about the the new CBA because I think that what the CBA is trying to do is provide a little bit more protection for, for players like Kelly who come into the league as, as undrafted players or maybe low draft picks, not able to make a ton of money. But, you know, somebody like Kelly, when she entered the league, like there's, there's no way that she could have lived off of the amount of money that she had. And she had very little job security, very little freedom of movement. Um, and so now, you know, getting to talk to her a little bit about the CBA and how things have gotten, you know, relatively better, um, you know, 35,000 as a, minimum salary isn't an incredible amount of money, but uh, compared to, to where things were, it's, it's definitely heading in the right direction. It's crazy to think as well, when she came into this league five years ago, it was pretty much half that like minimum. Mm-hmm. Um, like in five years, five years is, I mean, it's not that much time. And it's, yeah, it's just crazy how quickly that's kind of gone up now, um, which is great to see, really great to see. Yeah, definitely provides the chance for, for more Kelly Hubleys and Simone Charlies and, and Bethany Balsers uh, to emerge. Um, and I think, you know, lo- looking at all of the different options that are available now for, for players to play abroad, I think it's important that the league is able to kind of develop and discover these these more unheralded players to, to fill out the rosters in this league, especially as a expansion happens and and teams get added, you know, there's, there's going to be a need for more players. And, and so providing an opportunity for, for some of these players to actually come into the league and be able to, to make a, a reasonable amount of money is going to be really huge for the NWSL going forward. Yeah. And I mean, there's always going to be undrafted talent that goes like a miss, like, you know, you, you, there's only 40 draft picks. So you know, somebody's somebody's going to get missed. There's like a crazy stat, I'm sure, like in the NBA or the NFL, that they're like, 
more undrafted players in the Hall of Fame than there are like number one picks, like something crazy like that. So like, just goes to show that you know, just because you don't get drafted, it's not the end of the world. And um, I think it's quite cool that you you see players like this get picked up and and kind of have that fairy tale ending um, after you know maybe thinking it was the end of the world when they didn't get drafted. Yeah, for sure. Let's leave it there. Thank you as always for tuning in. As a reminder. Leave us a rating. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And we will be back to chat with you next week. All of us, the U.S. Women's Soccer Show from Goal. Find more U.S. Women's Soccer news and opinion on Goal.